We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. So should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. everyone and welcome to Marketing Nerds. I'm Caitlin Ruleen, social producer for Search Engine Journal, and I'm here today with our chief social media strategist, Brent Sutoris. As co-founder of Alpha Brand Media, Brent is responsible for the social media efforts as well as managing SEJ's social strategy. Thanks for joining me today, Brent. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It always makes me cringe when people start talking about what I do. I just like to be known as Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for many marketers, the question of whether to invest those immediate ROI paid ads or work in in long-term earned media efforts is an ongoing trial, especially with the element of Facebook's organic reach decline. So Brent's here to talk to us uh, through some information behind and the best practices for pumping up your organic promotion and also capitalizing on permission-based marketing. So first off, Brent... First off, like, how does organic promotion just work? So, I mean, organic promotion is pretty straightforward in its concept, right? It's essentially a series of actions meant to increase your content or your initiative, depending on what you're actually updating. Uh, it's just a series of actions to increase the visibility throughout the social media sites. Um, it's 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 not. You know, really much more complicated than that. Although, you know, to be honest, when it when it comes to anything that's organic, it tends to be a little bit more complicated, right? You think about you know SEO in general, like getting your rankings to improve through the search engine. It just takes a lot of energy and time. Where you can go pay for a PPC and you can jump right up, right? So you know, in, in that same scenario, you know, organic uh, social media takes a lot more work. Um, and it takes a little bit more effort, but I think that it tends to provide more of a natural experience for your your audience. Mm-hmm. And I know that uh, a lot of times consumers just outright don't trust advertising. So seeing that organic promotion on a on a web page might encourage them to just be more familiar with the brand. Absolutely. I think that, you know, um, one of the things is not so much, you know, I think there was definitely a time when people felt very, you know, adverse to advertising. Um, I think that, you know, that still exists and that's a great selling point for the the benefits of organic promotion. But I think people are quite used to the idea of promotion. What they what they don't want is they don't want lazy promotion, right? Um, And I think the problem with uh, the differential that really makes organic promotion and valuable is it teaches you what people want. It gives you an opportunity to identify what resonates with your audience, what performs with your audience. And then when you go to do any kind of paid amplification or paid ads, you're actually presenting it in a way that applies. There's not a better example out there than Reddit. This right. I mean, you can go to Facebook ads. There's a lot of things, but on Reddit, if you run an ad on Reddit that doesn't speak to the community and really resonate with them, it's a waste of your time. But if you create an ad campaign that really speaks to the community you're targeting, then they are extremely successful. So Reddit is probably the best example of why understanding what works through organic efforts is is really important for any company. 
That's a really good point. Um, and I think most people, when they think of that organic promotion, marketers don't even look at sites like Reddit, where it is that organic promotion straight through. Um, so it's really cool to bring that up, I think. Well, I think there's a lot of avenues that people don't really pay attention to, right? Like YouTube um, video ads through AdWords is one of the best dollars spent by, you know, the accounts of many marketers out there who, you know, for getting visibility because it shows right there in the search results. It doesn't look like it's paid for. You know, there's a lot of elements that, um, you know, are out there that people don't pay attention to. But I think it's very easy um, for people to look at, you know, Facebook and Twitter because those have been iconized, you know, I don't know if that's a word, but they've been kind of put out there as, you know, the poster children for social media, right? That was the first, you know, sites that people found and it's the most, you know, heavily uh, identified as, as, you know, popular in the space. Definitely. Well, so having a strong content marketing strategy um, ensures that your channels, they don't look empty, they don't look unengaged. And you mentioned curating quality content, and that's one of the, the best things that you can do for organic promotion. So how, how do you go about curating the content across your channels? How do you build up your quality of that? Well, I mean, when you're when you're looking at the content side, right? Like, you know, a lot of people get very um, hung up on quantity, which was very important early on. And this is the same that's happening with blogging in general, right? Content creation as a whole um, really started to 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 amplify as far as like how much do we do, right? It was like, okay, well, I'm doing one article a week and I'm getting ten thousand visits. I'm making X amount of dollars. What if I did five articles a week? And what if I did fifty? And what if I did five hundred? So there was this concept of like, let's do more and more and more. Um, and then what happened is, is that, you know, we really had a small segment of the overall population that was, you know, adapted and using social media, right? And even when that section, you know, that segment grew to be a large volume of people that were participating in social, they were very open to dealing with things that they didn't like because it was kind of new. It was a new experience. But quickly, we've gotten to a point where this is now a norm. This is a normal thing for people. And there's just way too much content. And you see it all the time, right? You see it with memes. You see it with the, you know, the Monday, you know, motivation and Tuesday tips and stuff. It's like these concepts come out and they're cool, but people get tired of seeing so much of it and they need to filter it down. So when it comes to curating content for social, the most important thing that you can do is focus on quality. And, and really emphasize on getting the most out of a few updates and not just updating constantly. Um, this whole belief that you have to update five times a day or anything like that is just wrong. You need to update as much as you can um, to make sure that the, the updates that you make are extremely high quality. That's a good point. So increase the quality of content, but also mix up the types of media that are going out. Absolutely. I mean, understanding trends and stuff, you know, one of the, the, the key things for me in any social strategy, the very first thing I tell everybody is you need to research what's going on because all the answers to your questions exist. You can go to sites like Reddit. You can go to Facebook and find other pages. You can set up all kinds of channels for monitoring what similar sites are doing. And if you take the time to learn what works, then you eliminate a lot of the guesswork, right? You're going to say, okay, well, I want to create high quality content. What you think is high quality doesn't necessarily mat always match up with what your audience thinks is high quality. So if you go find five Facebook pages that match, 
five Twitter accounts, go search a little bit from similar domains on some of these different sites, then what you can find is which updates have the biggest engagement, the, the, big, you know, the largest reach. And you can start to determine, hey, these are the topics within my niche that people care about. And, and that consistently changes, right? But you can start to identify what's working and you can start to build a strategy around at least knowing what, is, what is, has the highest potential to work. Mm-hmm. And then you start, you know, fine-tuning that based on how your particular audience receives that, you know, uh, once you start sharing it. Yes. So testing, testing, testing. Well, it just saves time. Oh, yeah. I mean, for, for, forget about trying. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to do the research. Look, I don't care about doing anything in the proper order. I, I, that's not an, ever something that I'm, like, focusing on. Like, how is this supposed to be done properly? It's just simple, simply put, it saves you time. If you're trying to accomplish something, you're guessing, you're spending money, energy, and effort to try to reinvent a wheel. Just go make a variation of an existing popular wheel and move forward. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, so to kind of switch tracks a little bit, now that we had the content curation, the coming up with quality posts um, sort of aspect covered... Any Facebook marketer knows that organic reach has drastically declined. So if your content is going to be seen by fewer people, you really have to step up your engagement game. So what are the first sort of steps that you would recommend taking to bring that engagement, to invoke engagement, grow an active community? So I would reference back again to really starting off strong by doing the research and by, you know, there's a lot of efforts when you first launch your page or when you first launch your accounts or there's efforts that you're making to kind of continue to grow them. Whenever you're in a space of growing an account, whether it be growing reach or growing an audience, you're taking efforts to market that page. One of the things I think people really don't spend enough time focused on is how does their page or account actually look? Because I personally will never follow an account without looking at that account first. And if I open up an account page and I look and I'm like, man, they've got a coupon code, coupon code, coupon code, coupon code, uh, some story that I don't really care about, 12 more coupon codes, I think to myself, this is what's going to come into my feed. And, and is this what I want? This is a, a sampling of what I'm going to have. So what I typically will tell people is, is like, just because you're following the best practices on an individual update level, take a moment to actually look at your page as a user would look at it and, and, and prepare yourself for when you're going to do campaigns to improve reach. Prepare yourself um, you know, to have a page that looks good and set yourself up to be something that people want to follow. But also realize that there's a ton of content out there and people are getting tired of content that doesn't matter to them. And so I go back again to saying you need to do less updates and higher quality updates because I might not even recognize if you don't update for three days. What I recognize is when you're constantly updating things that I don't care about. There's only so many times that you're going to get away with that before I'm going to either unlike your page or I'm going to set it to not show me your updates. And that's something that's very, very overlooked, but super important because if you're bringing in a ton of people to like your account and you're not keeping them, then you're really essentially wasting your money mm-hmm. and time and energy. And it's, I mean, it's almost as bad to have your page unfollowed as it is unliked. So um, just because it doesn't bring the numbers down doesn't mean that you don't, uh, you don't get that engagement. 
Well, I don't even know if it would. I, I honestly don't. I, I would say that it's it's much better to be unliked mm-hmm. than to be unfollowed because I mean I have to understand that these companies have a, a, a an understanding of a signal, right? To say this person, I'm just not interested in what they have to say anymore, doesn't mean that what they're saying is low quality, yeah. right? But I would assume, and I, I'm just making an assumption here that people constantly muting or unfollowing people indicates that that person probably doesn't have quality updates or high quality updates, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or so my, my assertion would be that it would probably, it's probably worse to have people just flat out, you know, mute you or, or unfollow you than it is to just unlike you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way on my on my news feed. I don't want to be sold to, as you mentioned. Like, if every post is a self-promotional post and it's not about, like, I'm following the brand to know about the brand. If I'm going to invest in a product or a service, then I want to know what the brand is about, the people behind it, the stuff they're doing in the community. And there's so much opportunity for that. And I feel like a lot of marketers, people who are constantly working in that, that online field, uh, sometimes forget that. So I think that was a good point to make. Absolutely. So you have, I've read some of your articles and heard you speak and you talk about engaging with influencers a lot. Um, how would you go about finding these influencers and then, and then starting to engage them when you know that these influencers probably have a lot of people reaching out to them on a regular basis? Yeah, I think that the influencer space is probably like this whole concept. I wrote about this recently, but I think this whole concept of identifying influencers is something that I think is almost problematic in a way. It's extremely valuable, but very very few people, if you look at, you know, trends of people in marketing, very few people really go through the effort to do things in the right way. And, and, and uh, you know, not approaching an influencer and not understanding what you want from that relationship and not having anything to bring to that relationship, it can be extremely damaging um, to you. You know, you get multiple attempts to try to, you know, market on Facebook or, or, or reach out to de- various different sources for, for writing, you know, if you were doing blog or outreach or something like that. But when it comes to reaching out to an influencer, they're going to remember that engagement. They're going to remember you, and um, you, you don't have a lot of opportunities to make that work. Um, I think the biggest thing uh, that I would recommend people do when they're looking at identifying in- influencers, it, I guess there would be like maybe two or three things, right? One, always make sure that you understand what influence means. People say, I want to I wanna go and network with influencers. Well, what does that mean? What is that person influential to you for? Um, are they going to? Are you hoping that they're going to share your updates so that you end up getting a larger audience? Well, that that changes how you approach who you're going to approach, right? Because if if they're really really influential um, in one regard, but they don't have you know a they don't update as much or they don't really have a lot of reach or they don't have a lot of engagement on their accounts, then having them share on their accounts might not be that important. So I think first and foremost, you have to understand what is the influence you're looking for, what is it you're trying to get, and then you know for instance, let's say you know what I do a lot is I'm looking for people to 
you know, uh, allow me to write, um, to mention me, to get quotes from me. I'm looking for branding, right? A lot of times that's what I want is um, a branding goal from influencers. So a lot of times what I'll do personally um, is I like to reach out to people that I think are either equal or higher, you know, level of expertise than me to get quotes and to get thoughts on articles that I'm writing. So I personally do this as my way of kind of reaching out to people. Also, as one of the hosts for the show, I, I'll invite people to come to the show, right? So I, what I try to do is I try to reach out and, and identify people that are maybe have a large audience. They have a lot of influence. So you know, you go out and you look at people. What are their publications? What other publications do they write from? You look at the publication itself and you'd say, does that publication share this person's writing? Um, do, do, does their writing reach the front page of a site, um, you know, all of these type of things that would, you know, indicate a sort of reach, a sort of visibility metric of what being involved with that individual would, 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 would do for me, right? I mean, it sounds kind of callous when you say it out loud, but, you know, you're, you know, when you're looking at, you know, people uh, like this, you're looking at what am I going to get from it? And then, you reach out. I like to reach out and say, "Hey, I'd love to get you know. I'm writing this article. Um, you know, I, I noticed you've been writing about these similar things, and and you're a well-respected expert in this space. I would love to get your thoughts on this article. Can I get a quote? Would you? Am I missing something? And then you're kind of bringing people into an offline discussion that kind of uh, connects you as peers, mm-hmm. right? And it's a great way to say. I'm doing something because I'm going to let you be a part of this project. Uh, so I'm doing something for you and you're doing something for me. But when that occurs, it allows me the opportunity of going and following them on uh, you know, uh, Twitter. And they're going to likely follow me back. I can connect with them on Facebook. I can connect with them on LinkedIn. This allows a very long-term connection with an individual. The next time I'm at a conference and I see them, it's not like, hey, I really like your article. It's thank you so much for working with me on that article we did together. You know, it's a different level of connection. Um, but, but I will say that even though I, you know, sometimes look at these type of things, um, I also look at what I'm going to do for this individual first and foremost. My biggest belief in, in, in engaging influencers and, and networking is to do something for them first. The first time I ever went to a conference was PubCon, actually. I knew absolutely nobody. I had been in the industry one month and one month only. Um, but, you know, I saw Matt Cutts there, and he was over there, and he was talking to a group of, you know, 20-some people that were flooding him. And I remember I, 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 somebody had told me Matt Cutts doesn't drink alcohol. He only drinks Sprite, right? <laughs> so I went over to the alcohol cart over there, and I realized he had been over there for a while, and I got a Sprite. And I poured it, you know, had him pour it in a glass, and I took him a Sprite. Didn't know who I was, nothing at all. I walked up and I said, hey, Matt, here's a Sprite. You might be first thirsty, right? And he reached <laughs> down, he smelled it because he wanted to make sure he wasn't getting something that was other than Sprite. And he drank it and he nodded at me. And, you know, me and Matt actually formed kind of a friendship after that. And we would talk to each other regularly for many, many, many years. Um, I did that with each individual I wanted to meet. I made it unique. And and when I go to a conference, I don't go and say, I'm going to meet 20 people. I try to meet one person, right? So when you're, when you're, you you know, reaching out to, to people that are influencers, the biggest thing you have to do is understand what you want from them, but also make sure you're bringing something of value to them because they do get hit up a lot and they get a lot of people asking them for things um, and a lot of people trying to get things from them. So I would definitely make sure you think it through um, and, and focus on one or two people because it's extremely valuable, but it's, it's also something you need to respect uh, greatly. Yeah, I think uh, 
I, I really love that suggestion about reaching out for quotes. I mean, it's a, a simple thing that you can do with a little bit of research. And, and like you said, it's kind of mutually beneficial in a sense. Um, and also, I love that it, it just it really reaching out to influencers is just networking. And if you go back to the basics of networking, like you would like you were saying at a conference, um, it just kind of transposes boundaries into um, technology now, which is very cool. And me, I have to tell myself every time uh, when I'm meeting new people to uh, let them speak. Talking, <laughs> let them speak. Stop talking. Let them speak. Because I, I just, tell such I amazing can't. stories, though. <laughs> I love listening to your stories, Brent. Well, thank you. At least there's some benefit into to talking too much, right? <laughs> Provide such great insight. Well, to wrap up, um, I have one more question. Just any favorite tools or quick tips that you like to keep in mind when you're working on that organic promotion we were talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So, so one of the things is that early on in this industry, um, I, I hired developers because you know I am very particular in how I want my tools to work and um, what I'm trying to accomplish is no. And, and as an organic promotion guy, as a social promotion guy, it's slightly different than most of the products are geared towards, right? So a lot of the tools that we have and we use are, are just internal developed, you know, uh, our own tools, right? But there are two tools that I like that I've, you know, I mean, there's always Buffer, right? Buffer is like my favorite sharing tool. I just, I, it's the only one I've actually used and continue to use. Um, but there's a new one now, I don't know how new it is, but it seems new to me, called Instagress, right? And it's an online service that allows you to put in a ton of parameters and essentially follow, like, unfollow everything that you want to do um, on Instagram. The cool thing about it is um, it's a good business model, for one. The way they have it is it's not a monthly thing. It's like a hourly thing. So you buy X number of hours that the program will run. It runs completely online and it really works well. I mean, I haven't had any issues with like warnings. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about this and it'll be banned in like two weeks. But, um, you know, I haven't had any warnings or issues with them like blocking my account or having, you know, it allows you to go really, really slow. Um, it, it, the, the parameters are really detailed to kind of protect you. So again, you know, I don't think you should ever use a tool completely like for gaming or spamming or stuff. But if you're trying to grow a decent audience on Instagram, this is a great way of doing that. Um, and, and another tool that we, I do actually have one or two people that use this, but it's a tool called Viral Tag. And the reason that Viral Tag is something we still use was it was the very first tool that allowed you to easily schedule for Pinterest. There wasn't a lot of ways to schedule updates on Pinterest. And um, Viral Tag was, I think it was called something else, and they changed the name before, you know. But when it first came out, it would allow you to drag a folder, and you could drag in like 50 images of like Ferraris. And then you could set up like 50 variations of terminology. You could put in these like dynamic codes and stuff, so you could like easily put together 50 different updates for one Ferrari article you had that would always look different and you could schedule each one to post like a week apart from each other. So you could schedule one thing in like five minutes and you'd have like a year's worth of updates, you know, that would come out in, a, in, in the car, you know, Pinterest board every other week or whatever you wanted to do, right? And you could totally randomize the time and the dates and everything with, with vari variances so that you could easily go in and set up years worth of updates in a matter of minutes. And so that was one that I really liked a lot. Um, as far as tips, I mean, research and quality, I can't, <laughs> I can't say that enough. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, just to really take the time to figure out what works. But I think lastly, like one of the things we're doing a lot right now is every study out there says images work. 
But for whatever reason, people are very adverse to using imagery or to using quality imagery, right? And it, it's kind of that thing about like, hey, you need content, so therefore you're just going to create whatever crap filler content you can because it doesn't matter. That's what it feels like the space is right now for images, right? And so I, I have a, like one of the other companies I have is I have a design firm, right? I have a company called Pixel Road Designs and we do a lot of like various different designs projects. But so that kind of helps me out because when we're doing campaigns, I'll create a bunch of social images, Right? When there's a, a meme or a trend coming out, I can make like a little one-pager infographic or I can make some like little images that we can use for marketing and, and promotion. And so we do a lot of that type of stuff. But like, I think that all the stats out there are so unanimous that images work super effectively. But I think people really only look at images as a, a, a checklist type thing. Like, oh, I've got my article. I need to have an image because images are important. But that's not really approaching it and saying like visual content performs well. That's saying I want to disguise my written content as visual content. And I think that that is, it's, it's, it's currently happening that way. I think it will start to evolve more and more over the years and people will start saying, no, I'm going to create entirely visual content and concepts, even if they're small, because it's the visual element of that content that actually performs and, and allows people to digest it faster. So I think that people should focus a little more on creating exclusively visual content mm -hmm. um, and, and not just looking for a stock photo to throw into a, uh, a written article. Um, so, you know, visual content, research and quality, you know, really focusing on that, um, I think are the biggest things people can do. And again, look at your social strategy and your social accounts as a whole, not on an update by update basis. You can do everything right on an update by update basis. And then when I look at your account, it's like I see 20 different updates that are all Monday motivation and Tuesday, whatever, right? And I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm going to get every week is like images like this, not interested. So, you know, definitely look at your account as a whole and see, does it inspire somebody that want to participate or not? Wonderful. Well, that's, that's such great advice. Um, thank you so much for joining me today and, uh, and providing such an array of things. I loved that your tools covered more than just Facebook and Twitter, which I feel like a lot of people just think about the tools for them. So it's great to have that suggestion of others. Yeah, I don't actually, you know, really use many tools for anything outside. Like Facebook, I like to use Facebook. It's got really great, you know, scheduling, everything. I mean, it's not to me any faster than it is for me to have a link that opens up, you know, my Facebook and I can just do an update. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just use Facebook and Twitter. The only thing I use for Twitter is TweetDeck. And that's more just so I can see all the accounts that I want to see in one screen. I still very rarely, uh, you know, use it for anything more than just seeing multiple updates at once. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I love just the internal processes of both Facebook and Twitter. But as you said, buffers is great, especially if you're managing multiple accounts. Well, people, you, you miss out on the new things when you, I mean, tools are great, but, you know, Facebook and playing with the, the actual updates and realizing, oh, wow, they have a new feature. I didn't realize that. And, and seeing those test features and seeing those things, one of the things people don't understand about Facebook is Facebook, they promote the hell out of their features. When Facebook came out with uh, offers, like we, we had like, I think 2000 followers on this one small account and we were testing offers. We got 580 some thousand reach wow. on that offer. And we were like, holy shit. 
Like, why in the world would we get that much? And then we realize Facebook is promoting their own product because they're testing it, mm-hmm. right? So anytime, anytime Facebook or these other sites come out with their own features, they're doing a ton to test them. They want to see how people are reacting to it. And it's a great opportunity to jump on. And, and you know, I don't want to use the word exploit, but to kind of like participate with that testing process to get the benefits from that testing process. Capitalize. And I, I, I think a lot of, you don't get that opportunity when you're scheduling everything through a third-party app. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Brent. Um, Again, I am Caitlin, and this is Brent. Um, And tune in next week for another episode of Marketing Nerds. Thank you very much. It was fun. Yeah, bye. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.